Your industry is unique. It faces its own challenges and risks that set it apart. That means choosing just any insurance company just won't cut it. At The Hartford, we take pride in knowing the ins and outs of your industry and help provide solutions that suit how you do business, from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. At The Hartford, we don't just talk about specialization, we live it. Learn how The Hartford can help your business at thehartford.com. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Hey everyone, guess what? It's 2017, and on this episode of Parts Per Billion, we're coming to you directly from the Bloomberg BNA newsroom to get the scoop on everything that's going to go down in the year ahead. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Parts Per Billion, the bi-weekly environmental policy podcast from Bloomberg BNA. I'm your host, David Schultz, we here at BNA have a tradition. At the start of the new year, we'd like to look into the future and predict what's going to happen over the next 12 months in Congress and the courts and federal agencies. And because let's face it, we're huge, huge nerds. Uh, we break down all the environmental topics, uh, everything from nuclear energy to chemicals to enforcement, natural resources, energy, you name it. For this episode of Parts Per Billion, we'll be talking with the BNA reporters who cover this every day, day in and day out. And in fact, that is where I am right now. I'm in the BNA newsroom where all the reporting that you read every day uh, actually happens. And I'm here with my colleague, Alan Kovsky, who covers uh, energy and natural resources. And Alan, uh, there were a lot of oil and gas and coal regulations from the Obama administration that came out this year. Uh, What were the most significant ones, the ones that are going to be really impactful in, in 2017? Uh, I suspect the most significant ones will be uh, those concerning control of methane and related natural gases. There were some big ones that came out a little earlier than 2016, but some of them are tied up in the courts. Now, a lot of people are, are, you know, I think what everyone's wondering is is which of the Obama administration regulations will get rolled back by the new uh, uh, incoming Trump administration and which ones won't. Uh, of these uh, oil and gas and, and coal regulations, which ones will be the easiest for the for the incoming president to, to I guess, uh, nullify, and which ones will actually be kind of difficult? The easiest ones will be the ones that were not required by law but were up to the discretion of the EPA or the Interior Department. That means, for example, the uh, Interior Department efforts to regulate venting and flaring of methane and related gases uh, that can be rolled back because it, it wasn't mandated by law. It was just an option. Same goes for EPA's regulations of methane from oil and gas production sites. There's also the BLM uh, efforts to regulate hydraulic fracturing or fracking. None of those were required by law. And, you know, a lot of people are wondering which of these regulations will get undone, and it seems like it could take most of the year, most of 2017. Do you think in 2017 it's just going to be a matter, you know, it, the the theme is going to be undoing what the previous administration had done, or will there be new regulations that are sort of not about uh, rolling back what has already come before? 
I suspect mostly it'll, about, it'll be about undoing things. Now, there, some new regulations actually would have the effect of undoing things. For instance, uh, uh, the start of work on a new five-year plan for leasing offshore sites for oil and gas exploration. They could get that started in 2017. It would effectively override the uh, Obama administration's five-year plan. Thank you, Alan. Why don't we head over to speak with Pat Rizzuto, our colleague who uh, covers chemical enforcement. Let's head on over here. Hello, Pat. How are you? This is uh, Pat Rizzuto, who has covered probably the one of the biggest stories of 2016, which is the passage of uh, a brand new chemicals law, the uh, update to uh, Tosca, which really sort of uh, was sort of a will they or won't they kind of story. And they eventually, uh, Congress eventually did pass it. Now the uh, real uh, story is how to implement Tosca. Uh, you wrote in your, your story that there are a lot of people who are saying that the Trump administration needs to be educated on what Tosca means and uh, what the stakes are. Do you think that the, the Trump administration has a plan for how they want to see the implementation of this law go forward in, in the future, in 2017 and beyond? If it has, it hasn't voiced one, but there are lots of issues that the incoming administration hasn't voiced a clear position on. What we do know is that the nominee to head the EPA, E. Scott Pruitt, has supported implementation of TSCA. He said that the law would guarantee the protection of the most vulnerable by placing emphasis on the effects of exposures to chemicals on infants, kids, pregnant women, workers, and the elderly, and he supported states' rights as well, which is an interesting aspect of the law. Another interesting angle on this is is the, the head of the EPA's chemicals office, their top chemicals regulator, is leaving. He's a political appointee appointed by President Obama. His term will be expiring when uh, the president leaves office. Who uh, Have you heard any names in terms of who his successor will be? Most people have drawn a blank when I've asked him that question, or at least they haven't voiced an individual. The one person I have heard main, named is Dimitri Karakitos, who used to be on staff for the Senate Environmental and Public Works Committee's GOP office. So he helped write the update to Tosca. So he'd certainly be well positioned to, as would some other former staffers. As to whether Trump would choose somebody like that or choose perhaps an industry individual who has managed a chemicals production plant remains to be seen. So he'd go from from writing the law to implementing the law. That'd be interesting. Uh, but let's say that uh, whoever uh, the administration appoints isn't in, you know, doesn't get uh, appointed for several months, maybe through the summer, maybe longer. Would that make it difficult to meet a lot of the deadlines that are, are prescribed in the law that, that, you know, the EPA has to issue this regulation by a certain time and then another regulation by a certain time? Would the EPA have difficulty um, doing that if they're, they're the uh, head chemicals office just remained vacant for months and months and months? I would expect the head of the EPA's chemicals office to remain vacant for months and months and months if passed this prologue. So, no, I don't think that'll affect it. In fact, I think it could make it easier for EPA to implement the law because right now the law is it must have the key implementing rules in place by June. That's what the law says. EPA staff helped 
offer technical guidance in writing the law so they know what it says, so they're best positioned to carry it out. That's Bloomberg BNA's Pat Rizzuto talking about the implementation of the new Toxic Substances Control Act. Coming up, we're going to visit some more reporters to hear about a potentially new place to put nuclear waste and about whether there will be fewer cops in the environmental beat, so to speak, in 2017. But first, I'd like to tell you about Bloomberg BNA's Daily Environment Report. It's your source for comprehensive coverage of the day's top environmental news, and it features reporting from all of the great reporters you're hearing from today. Start a free trial of Daily Environment Report by visiting bna.com slash daily podcast. That's bna.com slash daily hyphen podcast. So today we're talking about the environmental policy outlook for the new year of 2017, and we're going to go back to the newsroom to hear from Renee Schof. She covers environmental enforcement here at BNA, and she said it's possible that the EPA under Trump could significantly pull back its enforcement efforts on the oil and gas industry. The EPA has national enforcement initiatives, of course, which are its priorities, and one of those was looking at how the laws are enforced in oil and gas extraction. And President-elect Trump during the campaign spoke a lot about freeing up fossil fuel production, uh, releasing it from the um, control of many regulations. And so those regulations that affect the environment are part of that. You also talked about the budget of the EPA's enforcement office, and it's been going down for quite a while, even through the Obama administration. But you said that uh, Trump could really uh, make some dramatic uh, slashes in, in the budgets even further than what's already happened. What effect would that have? That has a big impact on how the EPA does enforcement work and the numbers of inspectors that it can hire and, you know, the people that help the inspectors, like analysts and uh, lab technicians, uh, in looking at what's going on. If the budget for the entire EPA continues to decline and the budget for the Office of Environmental Enforcement and Compliance Assurance goes down, too, most people think that 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 could mean just fewer inspections, less knowledge of what's going on. If that does happen and there, there are fewer inspections, few, you know, less stringent enforcement, will someone take up the, pick up the slack in terms of, will it be states or, or NGOs, um, you know, other interested parties, will they begin filing more lawsuits to try to, to pick up the slack? Well, as far as states are concerned, it is possible that the Trump administration will give states a bigger role, um, that it will ask states to uh, do more to ensure uh, compliance with environmental rules. And that may be through different approaches, uh, such as giving them the opportunity to escape penalties if they self-report. Um, that's already done, but that may be expanded in the future. Um, so we just don't, don't know where they're going to go. Um, as far as NGOs go, environmental groups are already saying that they'll be looking at how laws are enforced and that they'll pick their lawsuits when they see it's necessary to, um, to try to make sure that they are enforced. Yeah, and those groups are certainly already pretty active, uh, you know, as it is. Thank you, Renee, for that. And uh, we're going to head over and talk to Rebecca Kern over here, who covers the nuclear power industry. Rebecca, how are you? Good. Rebecca, you cover uh, the nuclear power industry and one of the big ongoing stories, not just in 2016, but over the last generation, maybe several generations, was Yucca Mountain. Yeah. You write in your story that uh, you think this uh, project could actually get back up and running uh, in 2017 under the Trump administration. Why, why now? What, and, you know, what's going to be happening under the new administration? 
what's happening now is now that Harry Reid is out of the Senate, he is was a Democrat senator from Nevada and was very opposed to Yucca Mountain being used as a permanent repository for commercial spent nuclear waste. So he's no longer going to be opposing it in the Senate. So, so Republicans are seeing an opportunity to essentially try to revamp the application process, but it would involve some legislation being introduced and passing and funding that would go to the Nuclear Regulatory Commission and the Department of Energy to restart offices that have been basically defunded and um, no longer have employees so because work stopped in 2010 under Obama. I see. So it's not so much that there's a new president in office. It's that there's uh, the key opponent of the Yucca Mountain Project in the Senate is now gone. Mm-hmm. Um, what's at stake here? Why, why uh, do why does the nuclear industry need Yucca Mountain mm-hmm. to, to store its waste? What, what are the alternatives that they're looking at if they can't get can't do that? They say they can store it safely on site in what's initially been stored in these spent fuel pools, like pools of water to cool it, and then these dry cast canisters. They can store it for a long time on site, but eventually you will need somewhere to remove when when you have too much of it on site. To um, They'll have to keep expanding, basically, their waste storage. Um, but they, there's this bill, the Nuclear Waste Policy Act in the 80s, that said it was the responsibility of the Energy Department to to remove the waste and store it in, in a repository. They named Yucca Mountain, but there's been a lot of local, state, and, and regional opposition to it, which was voiced a lot by Harry Reid. Um, and uh, he had, obviously, a lot of power in the Senate. So there are senators from the state that still oppose it, but they just don't have as high of a profile in the Senate right now. But um, if there's direction and funding from Congress to do so and an and administration supportive, then it, it could move faster than it, it has been. It's been stopped altogether by Obama. And we don't really know where Trump stands. He seems to be indicating, you know, he's asking questions about how would you restart the process. So, so that seems to indicate maybe he's open to it. That was Bloomberg BNA reporter Rebecca Kern speaking about the future of the Yucca Mountain Nuclear Storage Project. Earlier, we heard from Renee Schof on environmental enforcement, Pat Rizzuto on implementing the new Toxic Substances Control Act, and Alan Kofsky on the future of energy and natural resources regulation. To read our 2017 Outlook stories on these topics and many, many more, visit our website at bna.com. Parts for Billion was produced this week by myself with help from Jessica Coombs and Rachel Daigle. The music tracks for Parts for Billion are A Message and Europa by Jazar. They were used under a Creative Commons attribution share-alike license. More information can be found at betterwithmusic.com. Your industry is unique. It faces its own challenges and risks that set it apart. That means choosing just any insurance company just won't cut it. At The Hartford, we take pride in knowing the ins and outs of your industry and help provide solutions that suit how you do business from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. At The Hartford, we don't just talk about specialization, we live it. Learn how The Hartford can help your business at thehartford.com. 
Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.